signing up for that. It's going to be a good time. Make sure you guys do it. You can go online, I think. If not, we'll talk to you about it after service. But anyway, welcome. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Nice front rows. Happy everyone else. Hope you're doing well. My name is Trey, the Try. I'm a professional video game player, and I'm here to speak to you. That's right. Amen. All right. So let's just pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for bringing us all here today. I pray that you use this time to speak to each and every individual. Speak to their hearts, God. Open up their ears. Open up their hearts. Block out any distractions, God, so that we can receive you in all your goodness. And everybody said, shoo! All right. Wait a second. This ain't my message. What in the world? All right, here it is. So let's talk about the greatest thing you can do today. So let's all close our eyes and let's picture this scenario. So imagine you're walking up a mountain, all right, alone, but it's no ordinary mountain. The ground beneath you is shaking and the entire mountain is covered in smoke. And at the peak of the mountain is a thick cloud with thunder and lightning. God descends onto the mountain in fire and each time you speak to him, he responds in thunder. So now you can open your eyes from that and what we just, heard or what you guys just imagined, that's exactly what Moses experienced. And it says that in the Bible. So what we just imagined, Moses actually did that in real life. And now I just want us to compare that to the last time we were in prayer. Just picture that. Imagine what we just looked at and then try to compare that to the last time you were in prayer. You had time with God. Would you describe it as being distracted or something ordinary or something you felt like you had to do just to get in that time with God? And I doubt in any such way Moses was thinking that when he was going up that mountain. It wasn't, he wasn't distracted by anything. He wasn't feeling like he had to do something. But it was such an amazing thing for him. And all, this, all these years later, almost 3,000 years later, we can rarely marvel that God permits imperfect people into his presence. And I just, I just wonder, how can something so shocking and amazing become something so ordinary and regular for our everyday lives? That brings me to the first point of this message, which is going up the mountain. So has anyone ever been rock or mountain climbing or anything like that? Oh, cool. All right. So when I say going up the mountain, I don't expect us all to pack our bags and go hike like Moses did. But I mean, I'll tell you what I mean. So you guys heard of Oscar Mumba? Yeah, that's my man. So he's a guest speaker from Zambia, Africa, who every once in a while he comes to our church and he speaks and always gives amazing messages. And last year, he came to our church, and at one point, he actually started crying, and he, was, he said he was distraught over the state of the church in America. So I don't mean just this church, the Crossing Church, but I mean churches in a whole across the country. And he actually says, it seems like people, <clears throat> it seems like people in America would be content with taking a selfie with Moses. So anyway, it seems like people would be content with taking a selfie with Moses. Don't they know that they can go up the mountain themselves? Why don't they want to go up the mountain? So if you think about this, this guy who comes from third world country, he doesn't have most of the stuff that we have, but for some reason, they're still able to reach such a level of holiness and such a level of God's presence that's amazing and it's just so pure. And just him coming by himself, when we experience that, it's just like, how can, why, why aren't we doing the same thing? And I'll get into that. So. Like I said, when was the last time you actually enjoyed meaningful time with God, alone time with God, where you didn't want to leave, it was just you and him and his word and his holy presence, and now it was pure goodness. 
Just think, just want you to think about when was the last time, if at all, you ever experienced like anything like that. So when I was in middle school, that's actually when I learned when that's when my youth pastor taught me how to pray and read the Bible alone by myself. So any time before that, the only time I would experience God or get in his presence was when I'd come to service and just sit down. It was actually here and I'd just be sitting there. And that was the only time once or twice a week for an hour or two. And that was it. That was all I got. And then when I went home, that was it. Just wait till the next time I came to church. And it wasn't until that point where I realized that once I leave, like this is just a, the beginning of it. This, and then the rest of the week, that's when you actually get that time with God. We actually get alone time with God. And now all this time, all this time later, all these years later, I still can't find a better way to start my days. And I just can't imagine what my life would be like if I didn't refocus daily by going up the mountain. And it's alone, when we're alone, that's when we are able to empty ourselves of pride, lies, and stress. So if we actually look at those three words and break those down a little bit deeper, if we look at the first word, pride, so if we look at that, this says, and this is First Timothy, it says, this means that standing before a person clothed in unapproachable light has a way of humbling you. So all this stuff we got going on, we got school, work, friends, family, all this stuff that we got going on. When we're telling ourselves, I, I, I have to do this first, or I'm not going to be able to, you know, read my Bible right now, or something like that, that's when we start to think that our own lives or our own plans are more important than the perfect plan that God has for us. And it's not really, I'm, I promise you, it's not going to work out if you continue to think that way. But once we get in God's presence, he'll start to humble us. He'll show us that he is more important than these things we got going on. So that was pride. And then we look at the second word, lies. So speaking, this is Hebrews, speaking to an all-knowing judge, God, tends to induce honesty. So, like I said, it kind of ties in with the first one. We tell ourselves that we're not able to get in God's presence. Or maybe we're telling, our, we're telling ourselves that we're some certain type of way. Or we keep hearing people say certain things about us. And eventually we start to believe these things. It's not until we get that alone time and step into God's presence where he starts to reveal to us that these are just lies. It's not truth at all. And it's only he who's able to say who we are and through him where we are who we are. And then that was lies. So the third one was stress. Whoever feels stressed out, school, work, whatever you guys got going on, some type of something going on. So, so if we look at that, this is Psalms. It says, kneeling before the God who causes men to fail or succeed replaces our anxiety with peace. So if we think about that, we got all these things School, like I said, I said it before, school, work, friends, family, these things, and it's just stacking up and we can't, we can't find a break. We can't find any way. We can't think about anything more than what's going on. But how do we expect to get this peace and this calmness and this happiness, this joy in our lives when we don't go to the person, to the Father who creates it? So if we're seeking these things, we have to get before God because he, he makes it. He gives it to us, and that's how we're going to get it. And let's look at this second point, that let's not just be professional gatherers. So we often spend a lot of time, we spend all this time and effort gathering believers together. And we become experts, actually, at gathering Christians around all these great bands, all this exciting stuff. We got games, cafe, a gym, all these things. And they're, we're so super blessed to have it. Do not get me wrong on that. I'm so thankful that we have these things. But where we have failed, maybe is in teaching believers how to be alone with God. So if, if we got rid of all this stuff here, the 
this sanctuary, all this stuff around us, the band, the lights, all this stuff, would it still be enough for us to be able to come to God, to come come into his presence? If, if we were here by ourselves, if we were at, not even here, just outside somewhere, wherever we were by ourselves, would it be enough for us to say, okay, I'm going to get in God's presence. I'm going to seek you out, Father. I'm going to come to you. Or does this stuff become a distraction? Is this what we're coming for? And it's not like this stuff's bad at all. I love this stuff. I'm so thankful to have it. But this can't be the reason why we come to church. Of course, we want to have fun, hang out with our friends, have a good time. But God still has to be at the center of it all. And this brings me to an author named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's how it's good. All right, Bonhoeffer. And he writes in Life Together, he says, whoever cannot alone or whoever cannot be alone should be aware of community. Such people will only do harm to themselves and to the community. Alone, you stood before God when God called you. Alone, you had to obey God's voice. Alone, you had to take up your cross, struggle, and pray. And alone, you will die and give an account to God. You cannot avoid yourself, for it is precisely God who has called you out. If you, not, if you do not want to be alone, you are rejecting Christ's call to you, and you can have no part in the community of those who are called. So that's a lot going on in that little bit of in passage, but that, let's break that down. The word community is thrown, we hear that a lot when we come to church or wherever we're at. We hear that a lot nowadays, but our gatherings can be toxic. And what I mean by that is if we don't spend, if they, be, they become bad if we don't spend time alone with God. And I've been in many groups, life groups, small groups, outside of church, inside of church, all these things. I've been in so many groups and, um, the problem is not, it's, it's, not the only, it's not only that we're just giving our insights and they're not as profound as we think they are, but that we're so eager to share our thoughts in our, that come from ourselves. These groups, there's, there's no God in them. They, we're, we're not spending time outside the group with God. And of course, life group, I keep saying these things, but don't, do not get me wrong. These things that we have, they're here to help us. They're here and they're blessings. But we can't let these things become the focus. If we, we need God in the center of all these things or else they become worthless and we can get the wrong mindset. And this brings me to a scripture, Isaiah 55. This is God talking. He actually says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what that pretty much means, in the nicest, most godly way possible, God's saying, I'm God, you are not. So don't, don't play God in your own life for the life and the lives around you, because it's not going to work out. You, you, you can't be God. It's going to end up backfiring on you harder than you think and harder than you want. So and you can talk to any leader who's tried to do that, because pretty much it's happened in all of our lives. We can, we can testify to you that it's not going to work out. So, and see, I want you under, I want to know the, the heart, the thoughts of God. I want to have the same heart as him. And I want to I gather with people who have been reading God's word and people who have been seeking out God and prayed and interacting, act, interacted with him. And I want to fellowship with those who fellowship with God. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't, you don't have to have some sort of major degree or all these things going on that you have to your name just to be able to have a community with people. But any one of, one of you guys, I want to come talk to you guys because you actually have that experience with God. And that brings me to my third point, which is, can you love sermons 
too much. Now, when I say sermons, what that means is pretty much what I'm doing. Me speaking, teaching, whatever you want to call it. Me on stage, reading God's word. That's a sermon, all right? So I'll say that again. Can you love sermons too much? So there's so much discussion around books and sermons and conferences and all these things. And again, I'm not against these things. What's going on? I'm not against these things, but um, of course, but sometimes I wonder if it's time to shift our focus. So we have to look at the facts. Uh, This is an actual fact. American Christians consume more sermons and books today than any other group in the history of the world. So what I I mean by that, more people are actually going to church and more people are actually reading Christian-based books and all these things now more than any other time in the history of the world, more than when Jesus was here, more than all these things. So it's it's just confusing because we ask ourselves, we we know that the world's messed up, right? We see the news, all these things going on, all these crazy, horrible things going on in the world. And we ask ourselves, how can, how can the world be in a worse state now than ever before when we're, being, when we're consuming more sermons and books now more than ever in the world? And like I said, now you could argue that without these things, it'd be even wor- we'd be even worse off. Um, you can just consider that. Or it can just be something that we need to shift our focus. We're distract- they become distractions sometimes. And what I mean by that is these things, I keep saying them, the, the building that we're in, the conferences we go to, all the stuff we have, we, need, we, should, we should look at them as enhancements. They're like supplements to our actual relationship with God, but they can't become God itself. What I mean by that is we can't just come to church and then that's it. Be like, all right, I'm good. I'm, I listened to a good message, that's it. You can go to a motiv- motivational speaker, but that doesn't mean you're gonna make it to heaven. But we need to actually seek out God in these things because we use these things to help push us forward and help carry us forward and learn and all these things. But they can't be all that we have. Where we need, where we see, where we get our growth and our health is that alone time with God. And see, we live in a time where most people have a difficult time concentrating on anything. Is that anybody who has a hard time concentrating? We're doing homework, and but that's going on, or I'm, I got to do this, but I got to do that. All these things. That's me too. Super distracted all the time. I'm all over the place. Um, and we're also constantly looking for the quickest way to do something. We don't want to, we don't want to take all our time to do something when we can do it another way that's quicker. So when, when we do these things, most of the time it's fine, but when it comes to God, we don't want to find shortcuts when it comes to God. We don't want to just have that one time a week or one, one little thing in the morning, whatever it is, and then we're, we think we're good because that's when we miss out on the opportunities that God has for us. We miss out on those opportunities to spend that alone time, that intimate time with God, and that's where you find the true heart of God, and that's where you find out his will for your life. If you're ever wondering, what's, what, what, what am I here for, God? What's my purpose? But we're not spending that time with God then that's where we can actually start to see these things. That's when these things become unveiled to us when we spend that time with God. So we must learn to be still again. When I say be still, I don't mean like just say still. Of course, that can help too. What I mean by that is all these things that's going on in our lives, all the noise, distractions, school, these things, if we just take a time to block those out, we spend that, we just get rid of them for a second, just for a moment, and we be still in God's presence that's when we'll see these changes. We'll start seeing things that we've never seen before, experiencing things, feeling things that we've never been able to before because we've been focused on these other things, but now we're taking a time, we're taking a moment to just step back and get in God's presence. And see, it was simple for Paul. You guys heard of Paul? Paul in the Bible? 
maybe a few people. So he loved being with Jesus. And in Philippians 1, it says, this is Paul talking, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What does that mean? So it'd be like, so say you, you want to go watch TV, and, but you don't have a TV. It doesn't make sense. Or say you wanna, you're, you're about to eat food, but you don't have food. It doesn't make sense, but he's, that's what Paul's saying. To live is Christ, but without Christ, there is no living. There's nothing there to supply that life for him. Sure, we, can be, we wake up and live our lives, but we're not alive. Does that make sense? Because God is our source of life. God is our, our straight, direct source of happiness, joy, life, eternal life, all these things that we're seeking. And without God, without Christ, we don't get these things. So, and to die is, to, when he says to die is gain, that means that when he passes away here on earth, he knows that he still has eternity with God in heaven. So, and also in Philippians, it also talks about, uh, this is Paul again, knowing Christ deeply consumed him. So once again, once, again, once we seek these, these times with God, that's when we'll start to see these things changing. And there's no substitute for being alone with God. When we're in groups, we're in these things, let those be our helpful, our aids, our enhancements. But there's nothing that compares to being alone with God. That you, we need to get into that, that mindset where when we're not alone with God, we're not going to see these changes. So if we don't have time, like I know, I know we all have these things going on. If we don't have time, we need to quit something. We, we need to make room in our lives. We need to skip a game, cancel a meeting, end some sort of regular commitment that we have, as important as it may seem. But there's literally nothing that's more important that you could do today. And when I say today, I, don't, I, I know a lot of us, we have schedules and we want to do things and say, okay, I'll start this maybe then, or I, I can't really do that right now. But when I say today, it, it means today, because we're not, like I, we've heard it, we're not promised tomorrow, but it's, it's truth. All these things going on, we're not promised tomorrow. And so when I say, when I say this, I mean it just needs to click with us now because we don't want to wait. It's not something you want to test because it's your life. So, so, I, or sorry. so God literally determines whether or not we take another breath. So that just adds to what I was saying. So and if we actually look at Acts 17.25, it says, He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything else. So God, this is of course, talking about God, he gives life and breath and everything else. So we need to seek that. We need to go to the person that supplies us these things if we want them. There's, no, there's just no other way. We can try on our own. It's not going to work. Anyone that's experienced that can tell you that. So, so could there be anything worth more than meeting that? So with one, one who decides who lives through this day, nothing's better. And so why can't, so it's just, it, like I said, it brings me back to the beginning when Moses was spending that time with God in this amazing, amazing presence on the mountain. We might not actually go up on the mountain just to see God, but the same God that Moses experienced is the same God that's alive today. And he loves you and he created you and gave you a purpose. And we can still seek him out at any time. He's, he's, not, he's not playing hard to get. He's not playing hide and seek with you. He just wants you to get in his presence. He's asking you. He's calling for you. Whether or not you realize it's him, he is calling for you to get into his presence and to open up your life for him. So let's, let's all close our eyes and just focus in on this moment. So all the plans that we have today, all the stuff going on, all the events, all these things that we have, going on. I know they're important. I know that they're worth something and you're doing them for reasons. Of course, I understand. I was doing them too. But we can't let these things be consuming our lives completely. 
still, you can still do the stuff you do, but we still need to set off that time. We need to set time for God. He gave us the time. He's the creator of time, so we should be able to give him some time. So just, I just want you guys to think about, maybe focus on that aspect of your life where you can maybe do less of or get rid of some time. Or maybe the people in your life where they're taking up all your time or they're j- completely changing your life. Just focus on those things and think about where can, where, can I, where can I give a little bit? Where can I drop this? Where can I pick up the time here? All these things. And it just starts, it just starts in a moment. You just think about it, and it starts with one moment. And you pick it up, and you do it. And once you do it and you, and, you, and you get a glimpse or a taste of God's presence, I promise you, you're going to want to come back again and again and again. And then eventually, you're going to want to start telling other people about it. Because there's there's, you just want people to experience what you just experienced. So, but all this start, it just starts with you making that decision to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you my time. I'm going give to you, give you what I have. All that I have, I'm going to give it to you. And maybe, maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you've never thought to yourself, okay, I'll give you some time, God. Maybe it just never crossed your mind because you never even thought about experiencing God's presence. Maybe you, never, maybe you didn't know that Jesus came to earth and died and rose again for each and one of us. Easter's this weekend, and if you didn't know, that's, that's the reason we celebrate it. That's when Jesus, was, he sacrificed his life. He took up our sins, all our bad, all of our messed up wickedness, that we're all born with. There's nothing we can do to avoid that. It's just born with us. That happened when in the beginning of the Bible, Jesus came and he said, I'm going to take up your sins. I'm going to take up what you, what, what's wrong with the, wor- the world. I'm going to take it from you. And I'm going to die on this cross and I'm going to rise again from the grave for you, for each and every single one of you, individually. He'd do it just for you. If you were the only person on earth, he'd still do it. And all you have to do is accept that. It's a gift. It's an actual gift. And if someone's giving you a gift, you have to take it. You have to say, okay, you're giving me a gift. I receive it. I accept your gift as mine. So right now, if you haven't done that before, if you haven't accepted that gift from Christ, made that de- if you haven't made that decision to accept what he's done for you, let's all say this together. Everyone here, say, Father God, I thank you and I love you. Thank you for sending your son to live for my messed up.